God loves you. Do you know that? I mean, do you really know that? I mean, I think sometimes, uh, I mean, for me, that's kind of like, you know, I mean, I say that for me, like, like I'm, but you know, pastors, you have to realize that God loves you. God, 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 when he sees you and he thinks of you, um, not to get all soppy, but he smiles and he's got amazing things for you. Amen? Amen. Would you open your Bibles uh, with me this morning and uh, want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, Talk about running a race this morning. Let's run the race. That's what God has has called us to. He has called us to a race um, and not to a couch. You know, at least when I sat on the couch first service, people laughed. You guys are like, yeah, this is normal, you know. Um, One of the hardest things uh, about starting to run is getting off the couch, right? Getting off the couch. How many of you have ever run a race? All right. Now, I know that there are some freak people out there who can just get up one day and go run and go run a race. And I've met some of those people. Just so you know, they're not normal, okay? Just understand that. Most people who have to run, they have to train and they, and they prep. So how many have run like a 5K? All right. How many have run a half marathon? All right. How many have run a marathon? Okay, so half marathon, all right. So typically when I ask this first service, okay, and this is, like my dad runs, or used to run a lot all the time. He's run multiple marathons, double marathons, and, and so I'm not really asking them, because sometimes you start running because that's what you do, you run. But for that first person, like for the first time you ever ran a race, like why did you do it? Anybody have an answer? Why? For a good, good cause, all right? And, you, and how far did you run? You did a 5K, all right. For a good cause. Anybody else have something similar? A personal best, okay? You want to do something you didn't think you could do? All right, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so typically there's a reason why we run and do what we do, right? There's a reason why you run a 5K. It starts with something. But honestly, the couch to the 5K, most people who first start running, they start from some place, and it's a place of inactivity. The couch really is a place of inactivity, isn't it? Right? Hopefully you guys have couches in your homes uh, I know that I do. Uh, I love my couch. Um, I come home, and sometimes it's nice just to sit on the couch. The thing about a couch is, is the couch, is, is, it's not a workstation, is it? No, no. In fact, probably the most work you do from a couch is this. Right? Your thumb gets the exercise here. But the couch is, is, is a dangerous place. Um, it's a place where you, actually, I'm not going to get there yet. It's just a place where you can relax. It's a place where you can unwind. It's not a place where you get a whole lot of work. It's not really comfortable having your laptop. You might have your laptop on your, on your lap, but you're probably not going to do much work. And a couch normally ends up in this. Right? 
the couch is also a great place for a power nap. The couch says, I'm going to come home. Oh, man, I'm going to put my feet on my Bible. But I'm coming home, and I'm just, you know, this feels pretty good right now. And a couch is a great place for a power nap. Do you know why? Because the, pad, the, the couch says that you're not really sleeping, Right? So it's different. It's like non-committal. So if you, if you go up to your bed and you're going to lie down, then you're like, no, I'm committing that I'm going to sleep and I have to set my alarm for like, you know, an hour or two. But the couch says, I'm not really doing this. I'm not really sleeping. I'm just putting my feet up for a couple of minutes, which turns into a couple of hours, right? <laughs> so the couch says that, no, you're not really sleeping Um, You're not really being bad. It's a great place to watch TV. It's a great place to veg out. Uh, The couch is also a great place for criticism. Some of the most horrible, harshest things I've ever heard in my living room have come from my wife during a Patriots game on the couch. All right? You're laughing, and I'm not picking on her, but it's true, right? The couch is a place where you're watching, and you can critique like, oh, do your job. You're paid how much to catch a ball? And you go back to the couch and you relax. And the more intense the criticism, you can't, it's not the same effect to get that intense on the couch. Like, ah, no, you have to get up. But the couch is a place of criticism. It's a place where you just kind of, you know, sit there and, and, and critique a whole bunch of sports teams and you all do it, right? It's always from the couch every year that I watch the Boston Marathon going, man, next year. I've been saying next year for a few years now. Um, but, you know, the thing is, the couch is a dangerous place, right? Now, you don't think of your couch as a dangerous place, but the couch is a dangerous place because the couch likes to keep you. You know what? This is true. The couch does something to you. So when you walk home and you see your couch, I want you to see your couch with new eyes, all right? This is what happens on the couch. You sit down, you come home, like, I just want to sit down on the couch. Where's the remote? The remote's on the coffee table, which is about a foot from where you are. And you're like, Lori, I just sat down. I can't reach, can you just get me the remote? Now, you know you've done this, right? You know you've done this. The couch is, is, is this. This is the couch, and I don't know what I'm going to throw away here, but all right. The couch is this, where you sit down, and you're like, man, I've got to throw something away, and you're like, ah, oh, the trash can. Oh, I'll get that later, right? The couch kind of saps the life out of you sometimes, right? You can sit down on the couch for a power nap, and like I said earlier, it turns into a two-hour nap. You can sit down on the couch, and you think you're going to watch a TV show. Next thing you know, you're binge-watching an entire thing on Netflix, and you haven't showered in three days, and you've lost your job. (laughs) All right, that's not really true, but it could be. I'm convinced that could happen, because I know what couches are like. But the couches can be a dangerous place. Uh, You don't like to get up from the couch. It's really hard to speak from the couch, um, because honestly... The couch just seems to sap the life out of you. And what is meant to be just a short time of rest can turn into a long, drawn-out thing. Uh, And here's the thing about couches. They don't just exist in your home. Couches can exist in your spiritual life. 
Couches can exist in your mind uh, as well. And, and, and so there are different things that put us on the, in the couches or on couches in our lives. Um, but couches in our spiritual life, just like couches at our home, are also places of inactivity. And so I want to suggest to you a few things that happen in our lives that may put us on the spiritual couch at home. With the understanding of this, that you were not born to be a couch potato. You were not born. God's family says, hey, I've got this course mapped out for you to run this race, and it looks like that. No, that's not what God said. God has a place for you, and it's not the couch. But we can find ourselves in places of inactivity in our spiritual lives, in our walks with Christ. Um, and, and, and sometimes, for some of us, it's just comfort. We get comfortable, right? It, we don't want to leave our areas. Like Chris said, too, and I, and I appreciate him saying that. He said, man, his career was his couch. That was his place of comfort. That's where he was. And, 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 and so sometimes for us, our couches can just be that place of comfort. Sometimes for us, it can be a, a place of self-centeredness. It can be a place of complacency, and this sounds kind of harsh, but sometimes we don't think of it that way. But if all of our greatest concern is just ourselves at the cost of other people around us, then that is selfishness. And so it can be a place of selfishness. It can be a place of just lack of concern and apathy. Like, yeah, I know people are hurting, and and, and honestly, if you're selfish, you're probably not even thinking this way, right? Like people hurting is not even on your, on, on your radar screen. But, but a lack of concern, sometimes you just, like, you just don't get it. I, I know so many Christians, like when they get saved, and this is the way it should be. Like you get saved and your life transforms. You're like, man, I've got to do something. Like I might, I might do it horribly, but I've got to do something. I can't just sit down. And then there's some that seem like they wear the T-shirt of Christian, but, but honestly, it's a really inactive life. Um, the enemy likes that kind of Christian. Uh, just the T-shirt Christian, you know? It's like the, 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 the invaluable Patriots coach that sits at home in his living room with his shirt on, barking commands at everybody. He thinks he's the most valuable player on the Patriots team, and no one gets to hear him. Uh, sometimes we can be like that, right? And some of us will probably be like that this afternoon. But, but it's the place of inactivity. For some, maybe they grew up in the church, and they had parents that were saved. And, and for them, um, they're, they're riding the couch because they're riding their parents' faith. They kind of feel like, man, I'm good because of my parents. Um, you know, for me, growing up in a Christian home, my dad was a minister. Uh, not that I was intentionally doing that, but, you know, it came a point in my life where I realized, man, you just kind of feel like, well, I'm the pastor's kid. You know, I'm good to go. And it's not like that at all. So, so these areas can put you on the couch. Um, unfortunately, in, 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 you can be on the, on the couch in your Christian walk, and it looks like a place of criticism. Um, the one thing I've seen pretty clearly is that the people that are working in a church are not likely to be the people that are criticizing because they understand the dynamics and they have more grace and they have more because they know what goes behind everything. But the couch can be, just as you can criticize games when you watch games and football players and all these teams and all these things, the couch for the Christian can be a place of criticism where you're sitting back and maybe you're not doing what you should be doing, but you're criticizing everything else and everybody else. Because for you and your mindset, it could always be done better. At least that's what you tell yourself. The sermons are too long. The worship's too loud. Um, you know, the old way is better. I don't like change. Um, and really that comes from, honestly, pride. It comes from selfishness. It comes from not, you know, just thinking about yourself. Uh, it's a dangerous place to be. Many times if you're there, it comes from a place of hurt. Um, many people who get to that point uh, 
typically something happened in their life where maybe, um, maybe their idea wasn't taken. They gave some suggestion, and, uh, and their suggestion wasn't liked, and so they just said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not helping. Go under the couch. And then from the couch, they start criticizing why everybody else is doing it wrong. Um, uh, it's why it's not being done the way they should think it should be. Um, they can get to the point where they go, well, why is that person asked to sing and I'm not asked to sing? Um, you blame others sometimes for your own failures. Uh, and again, sometimes this comes from pride. Um, sometimes it comes from the fact that maybe you just feel like you're above something. Maybe you're too good to serve. Maybe you're like, well, I don't work with this and I don't do that. Or I'm not going to, you know, clean the church or whatever it may be. Uh, and sometimes people feel like, oh, I've done my time. You know, I've served. I've been a Christian. I've been serving for 15 years or whatever, and it's time for other people to step up and they sit back. I, I don't see that in Scripture anywhere. So if you see that in Scripture, please let me know because um, I don't see that. Uh, what I see is, man, run your race and finish strong, um, not finish short. You don't get to 15 feet and go, well, I ran most of the race. I'm going to sit down now. Somebody else can finish this up. Um, that's not what we do. And so, so this can reverse the, the, the couch. Also for others, sometimes the couch is just a place of safety. Um, a lot of times hurt puts us on the couch. Uh, for, for others, maybe they've never grown up uh, in a home where they've been encouraged. Maybe from the time they were little, all they kind of heard from maybe parents or friends or whatever is, man, you failed or you're worthless or you have no value or they could do nothing right. And so before long, what happens is they begin to believe this definition that's been placed on them by other people in the world. And they begin to define themselves by that definition. And so that puts them on the couch where they feel like, man, I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing to give. Um, and they're easily hurt. And so they feel like, man, if I just stay on the couch and I never launch out or try anything, then I'll never fail. And if I never fail, then I won't be hurt. Uh, or, or, or if I never launch out, then I'll never be criticized. And so I'm going to stay on the couch because it's a place of safety. Um, and I believe that's a lot of people as well. Uh, they just have low self-esteem of themselves. And, and then finally, the couch is a good place to take temporary rest. It just is. The couch is a good place where you, you, where you there are times that you need to be on the couch. Uh, there are times that you cannot run flat out. Even if you are a marathon runner, you come home and you sit down on the couch and you relax. And it's a good place. It's a good place to be for a season, for a time, just not for eternity. Um, and, and so when you think about, about where what couches are in your spiritual life, I think a lot of people can fall into these categories for those who are on the couch. Um, the question that I want to ask you this morning is if you were just to kind of analyze, uh, analyze your spiritual life and your walk with Christ, because we're talking about leadership uh, or leading, uh, and again, this is part of our, our 1027 series where we've done loving, serving, and leading, um, and last week we talked about uh, just honestly self-leadership, and that really starts before you can lead really, really anyone, before you can really uh, lead a lifestyle of leadership and, and live the way Christ wants you to, you have to really look at yourself. And it's one of the hardest things people can do because it means that you have to look at yourself with sound judgment and say, okay, this is who I really am. And this is um, what I really struggle with. And we don't like to do that. It's easier, honestly, it's easier to judge other people, right? It's either lead other people because I can point out their failures where they need to, need to fix themselves. But to, to lead myself... Honestly and purely means I have to look at myself and really be real about what's, what's, what's ugly and what's good. And then what's ugly, I need to address and then move forward. And so um, this morning, I want to ask you, if you were to look at your own life um, honestly, 
where would you find yourself in your walk with Christ? Would you find yourself running that race that's been marked out for you? Or would you find yourself maybe on, on a couch? Maybe, maybe not, really where, um, not really where you want to be? Because I'm convinced a lot of people don't want to be on the couch. But maybe that's where you find yourself. Uh, maybe you don't like it. Um, Again, I just want to say the Bible says you were meant to run. And, and there's so many scriptures where it talks about running the race and finishing the race. And, and we're just jumping into Hebrews. And for the sake of time, I can't get into all of it. If I did, we could make this into a series in itself. But you were meant not for the couch. You were meant to live a life of running. Uh, and it's your entire life of running this race. Uh, and, and what we read in Hebrews was that you were to throw off everything that hinders you, everything that keeps you from running that race, you were to throw it off. And that God has already marked out a course for you. Isn't that really cool when you think about that? He loves you. He knows all about your, your, your situation. He knows all about your background. He knows that, yeah, you, you're not perfect. You're far from it. Uh, at least if you're like this guy. And, and, and yet despite all of that, he loves you. And he says, listen, with all of your failures and exactly where you are, um, I, I don't just want you to run, um, but I have a, a course that's marked and mapped out for you already that you were born for this and this is what your life needs to look like. And man, this is for you. I just think that's pretty cool that he says you were born for this race and then I already know the race that you were meant to run. I think deep down, and I mentioned this earlier, that most people would love to run. I think deep down that, you know, again, like, like from the, when, I, when I watch the Boston Marathon, I go, man, I want to run. And deep down, that's true. I want to run the Boston Marathon. There's just a whole lot of discipline between the couch and the actual manifestation of that running that has to take place for that actually to happen. But deep down in my heart, I would like to be the runner to run that. And I think most people are that way. Like, man, deep down, I want to run the race that God has for me. But over time, they begin for some reason to believe that they can't. Over time, whether it's that I've spent too much time on the couch or I've spent too much time believing what other people have said about me or I've spent too much believing my own thoughts about me, that now, despite the fact that I want to run this race, I'm not sure that I can. And so because of that, you begin fighting yourself. Yet in the midst of that thought process, God says this, not only can you, but I've designed you for this, and I have it marked out for you. And he has confidence in you that you can run the race that he's marked out for you. The question is that, really, is, is who are you going to believe? The one who made you, or the one who thinks they know you the best, which is you? The truth is you were made for this. Uh, there's nothing, I think, that makes God more excited than to see you realize and grab hold of to that truth that he loves you, you're made for this, and man, he's got something for you. And so, this morning what we want to talk to you is how do you get from the couch to the 5K? Maybe the 5K is not the greatest analogy for it. Maybe it's like from the, from the couch to a marathon because life is like a marathon. You can still sprint a 5K if you're really fast, but a marathon... You know, you got to pace yourself. And we're going to talk about running the race next week. But this week we're talking about getting from the couch to the 5K. That training, equipping portion of it. Because most people don't get up and just go, I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to start today and go. 
there's a process that takes place uh, that we want to talk about this morning. So the first thing you have to do, again, uh, is realize that you're on the couch. The first thing you have to do is, is do we did this a couple minutes ago, and, and say, okay, where am I really? Honestly, where am I? In my, in my walk, in my relationship with Christ, where am I? And, and, and yes, that takes an honest, you know, you could probably go, yeah, I'm good. But if you really want an honest opinion, you should probably go to, to people who really love you, who will be true with you. And if you go to those people and you say, hey, listen, where am I? What's your analogy of me? Well, what's your analysis of me? Where do you think I am in this? And you know what? What they might tell you could hurt a little bit. But go to the ones that you trust because they'll probably give you an accurate description and give them permission to be honest with you. All right? And say, where am I in this? And honestly, go to them and go to God. And say, God, just like, speak the truth to me in this. Like, where am I? Where am I coming up short? Um, and, and so the first thing you have to do in order to get from the couch to the 5K is recognize, first and foremost, that you're on the couch. And because the enemy is the father of lies, there are some of you that are probably on the couch that Satan's convinced that you're not. Like, no, listen, let me tell you, your contribution of criticism to the church is just incredible. You know, like where would they be? You know how loud it would be if you weren't doing this? You know, Sal would be preaching till 3 o'clock in the afternoon if you weren't keeping him straight. So God is using you. I'm just kidding. You guys aren't like that. But I'm just saying, you got to be honest with yourself and say, okay, listen, God hasn't brought you to the couch to criticize you. God's brought you to this place. And you need to look at yourself with sober judgment and say, where am I really? Um, and ask God to reveal that to you and understand that he's going to because he loves you. And because he wants to see you move forward from that. So the first thing is you have to realize um, that you're on the couch if you are, in fact, on the couch. Um, And once you recognize that, um, you have to ask yourself, why are you on the couch? This is important, too. Not just, I'm on the couch, I'm inactive, I'm not really doing this. But then you have to say, okay, God, reveal to me why am I on the couch? Because this is an incredibly important part that we'll get to in a little bit. But you need to know why. Am I on the couch? Is it full of, is it full of criticism? Is it full of pride? Am I on the couch because, man, I, just, I, I have really low self-esteem and I'm afraid of failing? Am I on the couch because, you know, I'm just comfortable in my career and, you know, when I have more time or whatever, then I can do more things for God? Whatever it is, that is a crucial part of understanding and recognizing uh, when, you, when you figure you're on the couch. You need to wrestle with it. You need to ask God, if I'm on the couch, Why? Again, God, would you just speak that truth into my life so I can recognize it? Because you have to reveal it and bring it. You can't, God can't really cover something or, uh, that, that you haven't uncovered. You know what I mean? So part of this is, is to understand, man, listen, um, I need to confess this sin. See, even if you've been hurt and, and that's put you on the couch, it's still a sin that you're on the couch. Why? Because you're believing the enemy over God's truth about who you are. And so therefore it's sin. And so whatever this is, you need to be able to say, okay, God, if this is where I am, why am I on this couch? And will you really tell me the truth? No matter, you know, just I need to know because I don't want to be. And, uh, and then after that, after you ask why, you must really ask yourself, God, where is it that you want, to, where is it that you want me to be? 
So this is where I am. I've had a real heart-to-heart with God and myself. And maybe it's, I'm a little bruised, wounded from it. But God, here's, here's where I am. And God, where do you want me to be? See, and I, I believe that there are people in here, too, that have had visions and dreams that God's given them many times ago, many years ago, that maybe have, aren't seeing them realized. And it may not be because, um, well, it may be because maybe you're sitting on the couch. It may not be the case. It may be something that God's just dripping into you right now. But it may be because you, you, you're sitting on the couch waiting for God just to show up and do this and just remove you from the couch and put you automatically into the marathon. He's not going to do it. And so uh, you have to say, God, where is it that you want me to be And when he gives you that, my hope is that it will give you that vision or that, or that motivation. You know, earlier I said, why is it um, that you ran? Like most people have a why to why they started running. And, and somebody said, you know, self-improvement. Somebody said to beat my best time. Um, I was in a, a gym, well, a couple years ago. <laughs> Sounds terrible. So the couch of the 5K, and I went to the gym two years ago. That sounds terrible. But, but um, so I remember walking past this treadmill, and there was this person. They're just running their heart out and sweating or whatever. And I remember seeing something unusual. And they had this, like, torn-out page from a magazine, and it was covering, like, you know, like the heart rate, speed, and, you know, your heart's about to explode, that monitor. And they had, on covering all of that up, was this picture of, of, of it was probably, like, some model. I don't know if it was a guy or a girl or whatever. But... It was like, if, I think it was a guy, and he was looking at a picture of a guy. It was a girl, looking at a picture of a girl. And whoever they were, they, like, they were like running their hearts out. And that was the why, right? That was the why. Because in their mind, you know, right or wrong, they're saying, the reason why I'm going to keep enduring is because that's where I want to look. That's what I want to look like. That's where I'm going to get to, right? Uh, when I talked to, um, actually, Dito had run a marathon. And I was talking to Dito, and, and I said, Dito, you know, uh, he started training. Well, you know, why are you doing this? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm running for a fallen soldier uh, and for his father. And I said, well, was it challenging to run? He said, man, yeah. I said, did you ever feel like quitting? Yeah. Well, what got you through was the thought of why I'm doing this. Um, running for a cause. You know, a lot of people run for causes. And, and when they feel like quitting, the why keeps them from quitting. Because here's the thing about races and running. Each course is designed not to be flat. It's designed to have hills. It's designed to have different terrain. And each terrain feature is going to be challenging. And so there's something that happens. And this is true in our spiritual lives as well. When you get to a hill in your life, it's the why and the reason that you do that you do that will help push you over that hill. If you didn't have a why, you'd be like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this anymore, and I'm going back to the couch. And so the why is important. Um, and, and, and again, so whether it's losing weight for running or, or some cause or a purpose, person or, or whatever it may be, it's what pushes you through. And so to get off the couch to the 5K, spiritually speaking, what is your why? What is your why? Why would you do that? And, and let me just tell you that God makes it really easy because you don't have to guess what the why is. God gives you the why. God's already given us the why. This is why you need to run this race. And the why is that he wants us to make disciples of all nations. This is why you ought to run your race because he is not willing that any shall perish. This is why you need to run your race, 
right? Because this is the plan that he has for you. And as you run your race, he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Uh, as you run that race, it doesn't mean that, oh, listen, I'm going to have fulfillment because the race I'm running has no hills. No, it means that as you run that race complete with hills and valleys and everything else, it's a place of fulfillment. That you feel like, man, I am being used by God. There is nothing more amazing in life. There's no greater feeling than knowing, not I have a life of ease, but I feel fulfilled in the mission, the purpose of what I'm doing for God. And so with this life and with this race that you're running, like God has that for you. So God's given you the why. But can I be really honest with you? For some people, God's why isn't good enough. For some reason, God's why isn't enough to make them get off the couch. For some reason, people say, you know what? God says, well, to make all disciples of all all nations, that none shall perish. And you're like, yeah, well, when I get through with my career, you know, or yeah, but I really can't. And honestly speaking, for some people, it's like God's why isn't enough motivation. Sometimes they go, well, what's in it for me? As if dying on a cross wasn't enough, right? Like, what's in it for me? Or, man, you know, if, if I do this, then what's going to happen to this? And, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, the buts that we bring up always have to do with ourselves, right? Our own security, our own safety, our own finances, our own well-being, our own children, our own all of these things, um, and, uh, and we didn't plan this message because uh, Chris and Cindy were here, but it's kind of handy to have them here like this and, and, uh, and have Chris just volunteer the information. You know, they had a great practice. And God said, hold on, I want you off the couch. I'm sure they didn't feel like they were sitting on the couch. I'm sure working really, really hard. But for God in the Christian walk, he says, no, you're on the couch. I want you off the couch. This is the why. There were a whole lot of buts that could have come up, but, but I'm comfortable. But while well, I have an established practice with but. Maybe once I get this done, then I can do this. But you know what? That why, God says, no, I just want you to come. And so getting off the couch does mean sacrifice. It means sacrificing comfort. It means getting away from things that maybe you don't want to get away from. It means facing some of these challenges. But the why God calls you has always got to be bigger than the couch and what puts you on there. And so for you, you got to understand that you have the, you have the potential of spending eternity on a couch or running the race that God has marked out for you. And the question really is, what you do is, is, is really going to be up, up to you. But what God's plan for you is, is really amazing. And it, it will never be because you can't run, because that's honestly not even part of the equation. It's more of because you won't run, not because you can't. And so whatever's telling you that you can't do this because of this, this honestly is not coming from Christ. It's actually coming from the enemy. And you're going to believe him over God because God says, no, I have a race. It's marked out for you. It's planned for you. And that you need to throw off everything that hinders. So what, what we're told here uh, in Hebrews is that with this race that's marked out for us, there are going to be things that hinder you that are going to try and prevent you from running what God has for you. And that's true in all of our lives. You, you can be a pastor and be on a couch. Okay? It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't matter what position you are, you have to rest that through with God. And so God says, man, I've got this wife for you and I've got these plans for you. And yes, you'll prosper in it. That shouldn't be your goal. It should be just answering the why. But God will take care of you in the midst of it. And, uh, 
And, and again, I just want to read this again, what Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, just imagine these witnesses, right? Let us throw off everything that hinders us, meaning that there are things, physical things that will hinder us, and the sin that entangles us. How many of you guys know that if you're, if, you, if you're hindered or if you have things entangling you, it's really, really hard to run? And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Once you have the why, you need to now throw off everything that hinders you. That sounds easy, right? <laughs> Well, it's very easy to say, very hard to do. You have to throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles you. Um, What you run in has a huge effect on your success, right? Right, so if you're seeing somebody run and they're running down the road and they're wearing footy pajamas, are you thinking that they're training for a marathon? No, the answer is no. Okay, in case you didn't know, you guys look confused. All right, no, all right? If they're wearing footy pajamas and they're running down the road, you think someone's chasing them, all right? They're not out there training or equipping themselves. If they're out there running and they've got flip-flops on, you're probably thinking, no, they're probably not training for anything because that's not what you're running. Runners look like runners, right? Unfortunately, in today's world, there's this new fad where you wear workout clothes as clothes. You know, I have no intentions of working out. You just wear these workout clothes and those are your clothes, and that's what you do. I was going to pick Lori up from the tea, and there were these people in workout clothes, uh, you know, I'm just sitting there waiting, and I'm going, why are they smoking? Like, that doesn't make any sense. They're just lighting up, and I'm going, I just don't understand that. And then I, I was saying, and then I heard somebody on the radio go, there's this new fad out. I go, oh, now I get it. You know, if I walked up here in football pads and a helmet, like, here, I'm here to preach to you. I'm an evangelist. You're going to go, what? No, you're not. You're going to a football game. No. No, I'm here to preach. What makes you say? No. You can tell what someone's equipping for by the way they dress, right? Like, like, if a runner looks like a runner, a football player looks like a football player. So how you dress for the training and the equipping part from getting from the couch to the 5K makes a difference. If you're in your footy pajamas on the couch, you don't just go, I'm going to go run and just go right to the door and you go start running. If you're in your flip-flops, because here's the thing, unless you equip yourself with the, with the clothes that you need to equip yourself with, if you don't do that, the very things that you were wearing on the couch will take you back to the couch. Okay? The very things that you were wearing on the couch will take you back to the couch. For instance, if I wear flip-flops and I start going, I'm going to go run six miles in flip-flops, before long, my feet are broken, hurting, something's going on, and I'm now limping back to the couch where I'm going to sit because I didn't equip myself properly. I try to run something that I shouldn't. Same with footy pajamas because I get, you know, overheated. So, and it takes a while sometimes to equip yourself correctly. For instance, you don't just go to running shoes section and go, oh, just prepare running shoes. Any running shoes will work. If you're a runner, you know that there are certain kinds of running shoes based on weight, based on how, you, how your foot placement. There are stores that will watch you walk, and then they'll choose the shoe for you that you run in. So it's not just a shoe. And, and, and then running at different times of the year. You need to practice, okay, how much layering? You know, you can go, man, it's cold outside. I got gloves, a scarf, and a big wool shirt, and I go running. Before long, you're like, man, I'm burning up. It takes a while to figure this out as you train and you prep yourself. And that's important in the process before you even run the 5K. It's the equipping to get there. And so this is true for us spiritually. And what I mean by this is if I'm sitting on the couch because I have no self-worth and no self-value and everybody's ever always ripped me down when I was a child, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, man, God has a, 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 a race for me and I so badly want to minister. And, 
and I have no self-esteem. I, if I just jump up and go, man, I'm going straight in. Sign me up. I want to work with, with whatever, whatever ministry, women's ministry. And now, Lori, I'm ready to go for women's ministry, but I'm still wearing those chains of, 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 of lack of self-worth. And I bring that to the ministry here. Hey, I'm ready to serve we know this about the race that we run, that there are hills, right? There are trials that we go through. And then what happens is I'm going to start running this race, still wearing those clothes, and then I'm going to go to Lori, and I'm going to go, Lori, I've got this wonderful idea that we should have fireworks at the women's retreat or whatever it may be. And, you know, I saw it one time, at, you know, <laughs> New Year's Eve thing or whatever, and Lori's going, like, that's like a lot of money or whatever. So Lori's like, yeah, it's a great idea. I just don't know what we, you know, and I'm making this, this is really crazy, but... But all of a sudden, she's like, oh. And what happens is that person will interpret that as a rejection. Like, I have no value. You don't like my ideas. And they will say, look, no one, no one values. No one, no one likes me or whatever. And, and because they came in their hurt, they try to run in their hurt, everything that they do in ministry will be interpreted through lenses of that pain. You follow what I'm saying? And because of that, it will put them back on the couch quicker than anything. If they don't get rid of the criticism, they'll try and do ministry in criticism, and I'll put them back on the couch. You guys always know, listen, God is always in the business of setting people free. Satan is always in the business of taking people back to to captivity, all right? He will raise up leaders to take you back. He just will. Satan wants nothing more than to keep you on the couch. In his mind, it's where you belong. And Jesus says, no, you were, born, you were born for greatness. You were born for so much more than this. And I have a plan for you. And here's this tension, this wrestle, where you go, man, who am I going to believe? And unfortunately, so many times we believe the enemy. Because it just seems to sit better with our hearts. And so how do we shake that? See, 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 all of those things in our lives, like, listen, it doesn't matter like, how bad you've messed up. It doesn't matter all these things. The same wants to say, listen, you're going to be the biggest failure because of all these things in your life. And Jesus is saying, I've already got it covered if you listen to me. So when we have to take off the things that hinder us, we have to take off the chains that bind us, the emotions, the definitions that we now believe about ourselves that other people have given us, with the definitions that we, maybe it's not even anybody else, maybe it's the things that we've defined ourselves by. We have to take off the bitterness, the anger, the hurt, all of those things, and we need to clothe ourselves like a runner. And how we clothe ourselves is this. We clothe ourselves in only one person, that is in Jesus Christ. And if we clothe ourselves in him and his power, we will be equipped to run the race that he has for us. So that's what we have to do. We have to shed these things off. And as I was thinking about this, honestly, what I began thinking about was, was, was the armor of, of God. You know, I think so many times we go, okay, we, we, we pray it, and we go, okay, let me just pray this, and maybe you don't think about it. Like, oh, it's, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, all these different things. But I want you to think about this, right? And, and I've taken portions of, of Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Uh, and and if, we, if we're going to equip ourselves, we're going to clothe ourselves in, in Christ, this is how we do it. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let me pause real quick. Note this, all right? He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, not be strong in yourself and your own strength and your own mighty power. So you running this race effectively really has not a whole lot to do with your mighty power. It has a whole lot to do with his. So be strong in the Lord and his power and his authority that he who called you to a race, and I don't bring them together, but he who called you to the race, it's going to be his power 
that's going to actually get you through that race, not yours. So that, when you say, man, I can't, that nullifies the I can't to I won't. And there's a difference. Because he says, no, your can't doesn't exist. Because, yes, you can't, I can. And I've got you and I'm taking you. So it says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We know. He says, listen, the, the devil has schemes out there. And it's schemes basically to put you back on the couch. And the portion that I'm jumping and missing over, I really shouldn't, but just for the sake of time, it says we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, right? And the power of darkness. So your problem is not the women's ministry leader who said no to fireworks. Your problem is that the enemy is trying to use your definition of yourself, your pride, your criticism to put you on the couch. And when you, when you guard yourself and clothe yourself in Christ, and you're now not defined by the enemy, but defined by Christ, those things don't land on you. And they don't sink in. And so he says, listen, be strong in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand not if the devil's schemes come, but basically against them when they do come. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I know I've got to close up here. So, so that we know this, the enemy's going to come against you, all right? And we know that he's the father of lies. And the reason why you need the belt of truth on is because the enemy, the father of lies, is going to come at you with lies. And he's going to come at you with half-truths, right? That means that there's a little bit of truth in there, and there's some lie. And because there's a little bit of truth, you want to take the whole thing as truth, and that's how he does it. So there'll be half-truths. Half there'll be distortions. And how you stand firm in God is that you take his word and you look at his word. Do you know his word tells us how to handle the toughest situations? How to handle difficult people? How to handle problems? The truth is, a lot of times, we don't like to listen to his word in doing these things. And we like to take them upon ourselves. But if we actually listen to his word and his truth, he will walk us away. If we will not react to a situation and say, hold on, let me pray about this, then God will help us to respond to it a whole lot better in his ways and his purposes. So, so when these lies come at us with a belt of truth around us, when we equip ourselves and clothe ourselves the way he wants us to, we will respond better and we will stay on that course. Instead of being sent back to the couch, we will conquer that hill. The enemy will come against you with accusations. If you're a new Christian, he will convince you that you're not saved. If you're a seasoned Christian, he'll convince you that you're disappointing God, that somehow God's going, ah, just this guy. That we are poor excuses for Christians. And when he does that, we can stand because we have the breastplate of righteousness on us that's been promised to us through Jesus Christ. We go, you know what? I'm never, I'm never going to be righteous because of myself. And my own actions. The only reason I am righteous is because of his righteousness. That's not said to justify what you're doing. It's just said to say, listen, I'm not running the race because I'm perfect. If you think you're perfect, you need to go to the couch. All right? I'm not sure that lines up in this message. But anyway, but you're not running this because you, you think you're perfect. No, you, you honestly, you, you're made righteous because of him and what he's done. And so you can run because of his righteousness. And when you hold into his righteousness, the attacks of the enemy do not stand. Um, 
just to jump around to, he, he will, the enemy will send arrows. And those arrows look like the things we've just said, accusations and, and lies and, and convincing us we're not good enough. It'll come in temptation. It'll come in doubt. It'll come with wrath, lust, despair, problems of all kinds. And, and when we, we face those, those arrows of the enemy, we have a shield that we're told that we need to wear. It's called a shield of faith. Faith in who? Faith in Christ. Faith in God that he was in me is greater than he was in the world. That I'm defined not by the world or not by the enemy or not by my own opinions. I'm defined by who he is. And when these accusations and darts come our way, what God tells us to do, because he wants us running the race, knowing that we're not perfect, is to lift up that shield that those things will deflect us and not hit us and wound us so that we can push through and conquer another hill. Somebody told me recently that when they were in a good place with the Lord, no matter what people said to them or looked at them, it just kind of deflected off of them. It just deflected off them because they knew who they were in Christ. But when they struggled in Christ, when people said something to them, all of a sudden those arrows went through that shield and started hitting them and started getting wounded. And what it was was their own identity of who they were, who they are and where they are with Christ. When you know who you are, not because you're perfect, because you're saved by his grace and his shed blood, then you can lift up that shield of, of, of faith. Life application puts it this way. You know, when we think of, of, of getting back to Hebrews, when we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I think I always thought of it as these witnesses like sitting on the couch were looking at us like, yeah, no. Yeah. It's almost like intimidating. Like all these people like, you know, Abraham. Imagine if Abraham's watching your life like, it's not faith. You know, you don't know what faith is. And sometimes I, you, know, you think of it that way, but that's not really what it means. What it means is, man, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, witnesses in the fact that they have lived the life of faith. And we see their lives recorded in Scripture. You go back to Hebrews 11, where you see what faith is in these who walked in this. And so we're surrounded by the, the, the faithfulness of these people who live this way that should build the shield that we can carry. And not just the faithfulness in their own lives and how they lived it, lived it out, but the faithfulness of who God is and what he got them through. And so when we look at this cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by, and I'm just talking about Scripture, but man, we can look at people around us, those who've gone before us, that we admire and see and go, man, listen, my same God that loves them loves me. And, and he's not a respecter of persons. And if, if he's got plans for them, and he can do this in me. And when you start looking at that, and you're clothed in righteousness because of who Jesus is, guess what? You're now equipped to run the race that God has called you to as you begin to train. We're just talking about training, okay? And training means this. You don't mean, it doesn't mean you jump up and you run the race right away. But no, training means that, you know what? I'm going to walk the first pole, run the second pole right? Too much too soon can get you hurt, all right? Walk, run, walk, run, slowly increase the distances. Um, Sometimes people go, well, I don't know exactly, you know, what what God wants me to do, so I'm going to sit on the couch. No, wrong answer. Listen, start working out, start getting involved, start praying that God will help you, and start moving, and God will begin to, 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 to help you, and God will begin to show you the layers to wear, the shoes to wear, and all of these things in your life, but you were meant to run this race. When we clothe ourselves with Christ, we take on new identities. And we are more than able to run the race marked out for us. I'm going to ask Pastor Rainey to come. Why? This is why you can finish the race. Because he calls you to a race, but he never calls you to run it alone. Because the one who calls you to it, he runs it with you. 
The one who calls you to it is the one who's already made the journey. The one who's already made the journey and calls you to it is the one who's already reached the goal, and he's the one who will welcome you home. He has called you to a race. He wants you to clothe him, yourself in him. He wants to take you by the hand. He wants to run it with you, and you will see great things done if you will dare to believe in him. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Would our deacons come and, and some of our prayer team members and make themselves available for prayer? I just want to close the service down. Would you just bow your heads? If you are here this morning and you're on a couch, let me tell you, I don't think God is here to attack you or beat you up for being on a couch. I think God is here to look at you and say, come on, what are we doing? I've got my running shoes on and I've got a pair for you. I already know what they are. If you're sitting on a couch, God's hand stretched out to you saying, come on, don't believe what the enemy's saying to you. We've got a job to do. We've got a race to run. It's already marked out. I know the course. I know the way. And I'm going to run it with you. And if you listen to me, I'll pace you. And I'll help you. If you listen to me, he's your personal trainer, right? He's going to get you through. He's going to help you. And honestly, you're without excuse. I'm without excuse. It's not because you can't. It's because you won't. Do you realize the potential that God has for you? Do you realize that there are people waiting for you to run that race? And in doing so, man, the greatest fulfillment you will ever have. Some of you, God may be saying, hey, get off the couch of careers. Some of you, God may be saying, get off the couch of bitterness. Get off the couch of, some, of, of lack of self-worth or self-value. Stop believing the lies and start looking to me. Let's run. And he will get you through. Next week, we're going to talk about running the race with endurance. He wants you to run it. He wants you to be, it's been a life of running it. It's a great life. And it's waiting for you. Will you get off the couch? Well, Jesus, we just come before you, before you this morning. God, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. God, I thank you that you chose to use people like us. None of us in this place are, are, are worthy, Lord God in our own righteousness to do anything for you, God. The only reason that we can stand is because of your righteousness and your shed blood. God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that any, that, that, that any lack of self-worth, any definition that we've imposed upon ourselves about ourselves, God, that, 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 that you would just help that definition just to come off, those chains to fall off the people, God. God, every hindrance, Lord Jesus, whether it's hurt or pain, or God, God whether, whether it's criticism, Lord God, whatever it may be, Lord Jesus, would you break those chains of the, of, of, of the people, Lord God, that's holding them back, that's keeping them on the couch, God. God, would you help us to evaluate our lives, to look at, look at really where we are, God, and then help us to shift the eyes from ourselves to you and realize, God, that you've already paid the price, that you can set us free, God. God, I thank you that you have a, have a course marked out for every person in this room. It doesn't matter whether they're at the beginning of their lives or at the end of their lives, Lord God. You have a course marked out for them. Would you help? that race to be realized in their lives, Lord God. And would you have your way? God, give us great faith. Give us eyes to believe, Lord God. Give us the ability to dream, Lord Jesus. 
Help us to run with you, Lord God, the course that you've marked out for us. In Jesus' name, amen. These altars are open. If you need to respond to God, please do so. If you need prayer because you're hurting or sick, we want to pray with you. Have a great week.